0: Depth interviews with game changers and industry experts. Pulse 95 Live from the International Government Communication Forum.
1: Hello, welcome back on to uh, the morning Majlis. In fact, the afternoon Majlis, rather. We're here at the Expo Center in uh, Sharjah, and uh, we're really excited to talk about the world of internet and how uh, it has uh, changed the government, how it's changed the society as a whole. Uh, because today, here on the morning Majlis, in the afternoon Majlis, rather, the IGCF discussions, we have Uh, the former president of Estonia, His Excellency Tomas Hendrik Ilves. Very good morning, very good afternoon, rather, and thank you for joining us uh, at the IGCF.
0: Great Great to be
1: here. Uh, Your Excellency, if you could speak a little bit closer to the microphone, I'd like to ask you about uh, your involvement uh, at this edition of the International Government Communication Forum. What do you aim to tackle during your session?
0: Well, I mean, we're going to be discussing government communication, and this is, uh, I mean, I don't know what we'll ultimately tackle, because it really depend, I mean, uh, depends on all of the yeah. participants how we're going to move. I mean, my background is more than anything uh, on creating the uh, infrastructure of communication between, uh, between governments and society and public services.
1: Okay, we'll get you a list bit- of closer to the microphone so yeah, we go. that better that should yes. be better
0: thank you yes there's a, there's a
1: particular emphasis on on, on future proofing it as well so that it stays relevant to the public is that something that you intend on on discussing elaborating on as well the, the topic of the future
0: well I, I look at it a little more broadly which right. is that um uh Public services, government services, communications are uh, in terms of a um, revolution there is what uh, in the case of, especially in the Gulf states, the uh, transport infrastructure revolution was in the second half of the uh, 20th century that, I mean, it it completely transformed this region. Ports, transport, uh, commerce. Uh, made this place, or this region, a turn it from a backwater to a, a world hub, a, ma- a primary hub in the world. Uh, digital communications, and especially services, will, uh, are doing the same. If you don't have the, the service infrastructure um, that um, is necessary for the 21st century, you will fall behind. I mean, we see this happening i mean you look at major countries right now in europe um, and in the united states which have yes they're very good on the private side of, uh, of uh, digital services uh, buying things from amazon and going on to facebook but um, as uh, i experienced when i was uh, in the united states during covid i mean it's Everything runs the way it was run in the 1950s or the 40s. A paper-based world sitting in offices, uh, lining up in offices, and waiting rooms to fill out forms that then take forever to be dealt with. Um, that is, those, the countries that remain that way, and you know, oddly enough, it's got some of the most leading countries in the world, I mean, Germany, the United States, they have not done any real digitization. Um, those countries will fall behind.
1: Your Excellency, um, how has the uh, government communication evolved throughout the years? Let's say if we're looking at the past 10 years, um, how has the face of government communication been integrated?
0: Well, the first problem was understanding that uh, that there are malevolent forces out there that are abusing uh, the new openness of the internet that uh, that has been with us for the past uh, 25 years, uh, we see now uh, the the instrumentalization of the internet and disinformation to disrupt societies. Uh, we have seen uh, we've seen this uh, in. Uh, basically huge, massive polarization with regard to COVID that we've seen, say, in the United States, in Germany, in France, and to a lesser degree, and sort of even in my country and in my region, uh, where people uh, succumb to conspiracy theorists, theories about, uh, about COVID and about vaccines. They have um, big anti-vaccination protests. Um, I mean, ultimately, from a, a long-term Darwinian perspective, it's not very smart to act that way because they, you just won't be around. Mm-hmm. But the point is that we see, we see the internet being instrumentalized across borders in ways that it, 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 communication, cross-border communication did not work in the past when, in fact, uh, basically you were, you were, uh, you were, uh, subject to the to the means of mass communication in your country Uh, and if if you really want to know what's going on far away elsewhere you could you could subscribe to a paper version of the uh, Financial Times say right okay I mean and you get it three days later I mean today you can do I mean you get you are instantaneously informed of what's going on in the world and so um, I mean it's a good thing except when you are misinformed about what's going on in the world and I mean the kinds of damage that rumors can start and that disinformation new can, can have dramatic consequences yeah. on security in countries. Let's yeah. talk about that some more, yeah. the, the COVID-19 aspect,
1: particularly in Europe, you hear the story a lot. There's, Seems to be a disconnect between government messaging with regards to you got to get your vaccine. A lot of people ignore it entirely or don't trust uh, government advice. Why do you think there's that disconnect and distrust uh, with regards to COVID messaging? And what can we do better?
0: Well, the big problem is that you have people telling you the opposite thing. And you're on uh, if you go and Go on the internet, go into these conspiracy uh, forums. Uh, people tend to believe that, and then, uh, uh, and even the search engines in this sense are sort of designed to, I mean, people say, oh, I do my own research. And then you go and look at a site that is already a conspiracy site, and then the search engine is structured in such a way that if you're already looking at this, you will then be sent to another conspiracy site. Uh, so doing your own research is kind of dubious in this uh, in this sense. So, I mean, we have, uh, and it's very difficult actually for governments to d- take a um, uh, to take a to do something that that is uh, that is not censorship. I mean, that's the mm. problem. You can, I mean, you can do, you know. I mean, the Chinese government just doesn't allow it, right? So it doesn't happen. <laughs> but. Uh, but in most societies, that's not really considered an option that you just simply shut down sites, keep information out. Uh, and uh, this is something we're learning to deal with. We, I'm not sure anyone has really effectively learned to deal with this. We do know that, um, I mean, in the case of, uh, say, take Facebook, which has um, was responsible afterwards uh, for all kinds of uh bad things happening I mean they they refused to believe that um, the junta in Myanmar was uh, exhorting people to kill Muslims the Rohingya right they yeah. said no that's not true except then it turned out oh well I guess it was true right mm-hmm. I mean what you need to do in these cases where they will not accept is you have to actually drive that point home to them and say look I mean they are li- they listen now to if, if you you um, they listen to the United States when the U.S. is a fairly obvious reason why they listen to the U.S. They listen now to, uh, to large countries in Europe. I mean, if Germany says, look, this is, we're, we're not going to tolerate this kind of uh, spreading of hate uh, on, and you're going to be fine. If you're a smaller country like mine or the UAE, um, you're going to have to make a lot of noise. Uh, or threaten rather draconian uh, measures if you, uh, if you find them spreading disinformation as they have been guilty of doing in so many cases in the past and owned up to only later. And because they said, oh no, no, that's ridiculous. That couldn't have happened and later on. Well, it did happen, but we're very sorry and we won't do it again. And then, you know, you get these kind of quarterly uh, apologies from Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, the, the point is to be proactive and preemptive on these things.
1: I've got to touch upon Estonia, Your Excellency, because it's, it's got a very important message to survive during the pandemic with its huge investment. In being the most digital society. As the rest of the world were shutting their doors and government services, Estonia was enjoying the facilities and continuing with the daily operations. So, talk to me about when you made that decision to transform Estonia to become the, the most digital society. Why did you think it at that time? And do you think it has now completely paid it off?
0: Well, first of all, it w- wasn't like a decision, now we do this. It's more that. <laughs> Uh, I started arguing in 1993-94 that this was a useful direction to go into for development. We were very backward, very poor, after 50 years of falling behind under the Soviet occupation. And um, and even then it met with a lot of opposition domestically. No, no, this is a stupid idea. He's crazy, forget it. Uh, Fortunately, the government supported my ideas. And then, but by the end of that decade, we realized that Um, sort of the simple methods that uh, we were using and which most of the world actually uses to this day uh, were not enough that you need to really get have a secure secure identity for everyone you know there's this old cartoon two dogs and one dog says to the other on the internet no one knows you're a dog well the thing is that's the problem of digitization ultimately is that that cartoon that you have in order to digitize so that it is works you have to know who is who you have to know that the person talking to you is who he says she is and they have to know that you are you and the government needs to know you are you and just as you need to know it's the government talking to you not or a company or your bank talking to you all of that so we we, we solved the problem of a secure identity and then the other issue is architecture which is more a matter of general security that If you lose something or this way, if someone attacks you, you don't lose everything. Uh, We saw this in 2015 in the United States when uh, uh, all records of all employees of the US federal government uh, were hacked by the Chinese, presumably it seems. But basically, every but 23 million people—it's called the—I uh, mean, you can, look, you can Google it, the OPM hack, right? And just sucked it all up. And that was because they paid no attention to either security or architecture because they stored it all in one place, and they didn't even encrypt the data. So it was like, so you, got, you can find anything about anybody who worked for the U.S. government—phone number, security—I mean, sort of social security number. In the case of CIA officers, they had their psychological profiles. I mean, it's like everything went. So you really need to pay attention to these things. And we started paying attention very early, and then we started to build out the services, you know, beginning with like, okay, easy tax forms, digital prescriptions. And so where we are today, and haven't been actually for 10 years, that basically there are three things you cannot do online. Uh, in Estonia, with regard to traditional relations with public sector government, first is getting married. You do have to show up in a government office to do that. Uh, secondly, getting divorced. Uh, you both have to show up at the same time for that, which is not always so pleasant. Yeah. And the third thing is that because we were already a long time ago very afraid of uh, shell companies, uh, fake companies buying... Mm-hmm. Uh, buying property and that if you're going to buy or sell property physical property you have to show up or someone from the company say it's a company buy something someone from the uh, from the management board has to show up so we know it's you don't get something like um, which you had a few years ago in the United States where two uh, consiglieri or kind of like assistants to the um, number one mafiosi, mafioso <laughs> in Russia, Semyon Mogilevich, two of these guys went and bought apartments in Donald Trump's personal Trump Tower. I mean, he was selling apartments, and there are two guys who were, from, who were Russian mafiosi and high up, right? You don't want that to happen. I yeah. mean, anyway. But, that's, uh, but otherwise, you can do everything. Mm. And so during the, uh, the pandemic, you know, our government did not shut down. Uh, in the U.S., I was leaving the U.S. Um, Last year in June, I read an article that, that only two months of the pandemic had caused a backlog of three million passport applications. I go, why? Well, I mean, it's because you could, government offices were closed. My country go going there, and, you know, they want a new picture of me, see how I've gotten older in the past five <laughs> years, and then, uh, you know, I upload the photo into the files, and then... Uh, and, you know nothing else has really changed uh, I still live where I live and uh, then uh, my passport is complete and I just get my passport so I mean that's a typical example of where uh, government services collapsed in so many countries and in my country it was like yeah, okay so mm. what
1: it's amazing to see and there's so much to learn from uh, your, uh, your your talk as well at the IGCF and your experiences as, uh, as leading uh, Estonia now um, to create a better world. Climate change is still dominating the discussions at the moment. Are we headed in the right direction or is this something that we should be concerned? Because that's what dominated the UN General Assembly's
0: talk as well. Well, uh, from my experience at my ripe old age, there's always some disaster looming. (laughs) Uh, The question is that do you take uh, measures to prevent it? If we're talking about digitization, what I would say is that um, because we do have this uh, huge gap between countries that are developed and undeveloped in digital matters, and this of course touches upon climate change as well, is that um, uh, I think we need far more integration of digital services than we have seen and that exists. I've been do, pushing this in my in Europe. I mean, because my country is very developed, but you know, some other countries even nearby are not so developed. And it's uh, I mean, so I'd rather I want to see a world in which the services that we have in my country work also in you know France, or Spain, or, or at least that they must be interoperable. And what always strikes me because I come I come to the to the Gulf region fairly often is that um, the absence I mean. The absence of integration of digital services across the Arab world, because you have one advantage from Morocco to Oman, you all have a common language. Whereas I go, you know, my common language with my wife, who's Latvian, uh, is English, right? I mean, uh, I mean, you can basically, I mean, you can keep your national element for all element things that clearly, you know, you're a national government, you don't want others to see this or that. On the other hand, the common elements; um, those are easily easily separated, and also, I mean, it should be interoperable. So, if, if I come from Oman to uh, to Sarja and I get sick, I can just go and you know get my uh, Omani prescription from the from. And if I go to Morocco, and I get sick, and uh, I just sort of authorize a Moroccan doctor to look at my medical records, which are here, obviously, but then uh, he can access them, and uh, you don't even have to translate. You can just see your medical records and say, oh, okay, you have this, and you're allergic to that, and blah, 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 blah. But that should be where, I mean, it's so easy to do that, actually. Um, and to integrate these fundamental services that really should be interoperable Mm -hmm. to actually create more sort of social and political cohesion in a region
1: definitely is i think that's uh it opens a door of more opportunities to look forward to so lots of our uh, viewers on our social media have also been sending some questions which is really good to see uh but your excellency i think uh, sadly that's the time that we have we're fast approaching the business headlines we would like to thank you very much for your time this sure. afternoon for speaking to us and uh, we wish you a pleasant stay here in the emirate of sharjah
0: great well it's great to be here and uh, i wish you all luck and uh And also on digitization. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: So we were listening uh, to the former president of Estonia here uh, on the afternoon modulus of the IGCF uh, down here at the Expo Center in Sharjah. To listen to more engaging discussions, stay tuned to to, to Pulse95 Radio's Instagram account and also stay tuned uh, to on our 95.0. We'll be back with historic lessons and future ambitions from the Expo Center Sharjah.
0: Pulse 95 Live from the International Government Communication Forum.